We started a series last week called The Blessing. We were talking about um, transition points in life. You have those, those scenes, those places in your mind where relationships happen or are revealed. A dinner table is a place where relationships are, are, are built with tricks and applejacks, apparently. This is not a commercial. We get no money off this, I promise you. A, a crib shows a place where a relationship, a transition has happened. Relationships are changing. A new life has come into a home and a family. And, and the blessing has everything to do with relationships. I, I read an interesting story this week about a lady named Isabel. Isabel had some kind of chronic um, sickness and she was in a hospital, and the pain medicine that they needed to give her to make the pain go away, they couldn't give her because it had such high-risk side effects that it may, it may take her life. And so she had laid in this hospital bed and just, out of sheer pain, badgered the nurses as they come in to the point that the nurses didn't want to go to her room anymore. Finally, the head nurse saw what was going on, and she went in and talked to Isabel. She went in and talked to Isabel and said, listen, Isabel, I, I know you're hurting, but you need to understand that the nurses that are coming in, they're not holding medicine away from you because they're trying to hurt you. They're actually trying to save you. They're trying to protect you. Do you understand? And Isabel sat up in the bed and stared at her, and she said, yeah, I understand. So as the nurse, confident that she had solved the entire problem that fast, turned to walk out of the room, Isabel said, can you give me a hug? She said, excuse me? She said, for the pain. Can you give me a hug for the pain? So the nurse walked over and, okay, I caught her off guard, I guess. She scooped her up and kind of hugged her. Then she realized this is sort of a fake hug. So she reached in and held her even tighter. And Isabel started crying and she said, you know what? All this time, I thought the nurses here hated me. And now I can see that they weren't really mad at me. They were trying to help me. I just couldn't tell until you hugged me. She said, do you mind? I know you can't give me medicine, but do you mind when I'm hurting? Could, could you send somebody by one of the nurses or could you come by and just hug me? And the nurse, so convicted by it, said, absolutely. She even wrote it down on her chart. Isabel hugs for pain upon request. And from time to time... She would call, and that head nurse, when she got a break, would go by and hug her. Now, hug doesn't take away all the pain, but it takes away some of it. Hug won't chase away all your fears, but it'll chase away some of them. And this is what it's, this is what it's like to understand the blessing. There are at least four different ways that the blessing is communicated. The one I want to share with you today is meaningful touch. Last week as we began this series on the blessing, we talked about it being the most important relational issue on earth. It has a profound impact on every relationship in your life. We know from the very beginning of Genesis, I went back and just read the account again this week because I wanted it to seep into my bones. When God, the Bible said, created man, male and female, He created them and blessed them. God's will from the beginning of creation 
was that His creation would be blessed. That you and I would live a blessed life. We know that's true from creation. If you're taking notes, I've defined the blessing this way. Unconditional love and acceptance communicated. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look and, and see through the Old Testament concept of the blessing and show you three or four of those ways to communicate the blessing. As we round into June, I want you to make a special effort to join us here because we're going to talk after that about what do you do when parts of the blessing are missing. What do you do? What do you do then? What happens now? Last week we looked at Isaac as he blessed Jacob rather than Esau because he was deceived. This week in Genesis 48, I want to look at Isaac again blessing his grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim. They were Joseph's, Joseph's two boys. And as, and as Isaac called them in to bless them, I want you to look now at Genesis 48, 9 and 10. And then we'll jump over to 14. And I, I want us to look together at, at what happened in that time of blessing. Joseph told his father, They are my sons whom God gave to me in this place. Bring them to me, he said, so I can bless them. Now, what does that mean? Israel's eyesight was poor from old age. He was nearly blind. So Joseph brought them up close. Old Israel kissed and embraced them. Now, jump over to 14. But Israel crossed his arms and put his right hand over the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and the left hand on the head of Manasseh, the firstborn. Now, I know there's a whole story that plays out here. And I know in the other occasion there are, and you can find other occasions of blessing the Old Testament. I'm not concerned so much about the storyline that plays out as I am the, the inner workings of the blessing. Because from that, we can draw relationship principles that, that we can function in God's plan, in God's way of living a, a blessed life in our relationships. So you'll look here. Now, in this occurrence, it doesn't happen. But in, in the occurrence we read last week, it does. There are three or four things that happened in that time of blessing. Jacob not only kissed them, he not only held them close, he not only spoke over them, but, but Jacob laid his hands on them. The Bible says he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Now we're talking about how do you communicate the blessing? Meaningful touch. You may say, come on, really? Is it really, is it really that big a deal? Meaningful touch, is it really that big a deal? I want to give you this morning two reasons that meaningful touch is an important part of the blessing. If you look particularly through the Old Testament, meaningful touch has a, has a very important symbolism attached to it. There's a symbolic nature to meaningful touch. Aaron was told on the Day of Atonement, part of his priestly duties was to bring a goat in, lay his hands on the goat, and that would symbolize the transference of the sins of Israel onto this sacrifice, which was a foreshadow that one day Jesus would come. He was the sac ultimate sacrificial lamb, and the transference of the sin of the world would be put on him. When God called Elijah and Elisha, just before Elijah departed, Elijah passed his ministry role and anointing onto Elijah by laying his hands on him. Even today, there's a, there's a deeply symbolic meaning 
to, to meaningful touch in our society that, that you may not think about because it's so integrated in what we do. If you look at the walk in the Galleria and you see a young lady holding a young man's hand, that symbolic touch tells you something. This is my new boyfriend and I'm taken. Right? Two men close a business deal and one extends his hand and they shake on it. Now that might not mean as much as it used to. But what it used to mean is we agree. I'll do my part and you'll do your part. And we agree on this. This morning, many of you were greeted by a first team, our tour guides, who may have given you a bulletin and extended their hand and said, Welcome. Meaningful touch. About every wedding I can ever remember attending, there comes a point where the minister says, Now please join hands and repeat these vows. What is that about? Meaningful touch says... I accept you. I receive you. The blessing that is on me is now on you. Now, I know in our day and age, laying on of hands has been called into question. But can I just tell you from maybe an angle you've not heard it before? As you look through the Old and New Testament as a Christian community, we, we, I don't think now's the time to back off on laying on of hands or however you want to say it. Because there are so many things communicated in that symbolism. There are so many things communicated. I think it's critical that we in the Christian community learn how to appropriately lay hands on each other. That touch communicates. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He accepts you. I mean, when you come to a prayer time and somebody puts their hand on your shoulder... Which one of us has lived such a phenomenal life that we've not come to some point of weakness and needed somebody else? None of us. All of us have been in need. And what a blessing it is when you have someone whose heart you know who puts their hand on your shoulder and just begins to pray for you. You know what that touch says? That touch says you're not by yourself. God loves you. I love you. The community, the family of God loves you. There, there is a reminder inside of it. There's a symbolism inside of it. Uh, when we were in Florida, our church uh, took a trip every year to Argentina for three years. And uh, my wife was able to go with me on the last trip. But I told her, I said, the craziest thing has happened. There's a, a pastor, Alberto Rey, in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. And somehow or another, the first time we met, God just locked our hearts together. I, I don't, through, through a translator. Through uh, Rocky Graham's, the missionary translator, we just sat in a back room and talked for almost two hours. And although we couldn't understand a word each other said, through the translator, something supernatural happened and God just clicked our hearts. And I was telling my wife about this. I mean, you, you won't believe, I mean, really, this is a very unique relationship. This is incredible. And I think she was just kind of rolling her eyes thinking, you know what, this is another one of your adventures, isn't it? Because <laughs> she knows me. <laughs> this is, yeah, you're, I know, yeah, yeah. Well, we walk into his church in, uh, in Buenos Aires, and Alberto Ray's there, and he knows that we've, we were planning to come. And he looks over, and he can't speak a word of English, and he can't even pronounce my name. He says, Che! 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 And then he goes, ah, oh, someone in Spanish I didn't understand. Che! All I could understand was Che! And he came over, he was a big guy, he came over and picked me up off the ground, scooped me up, and, went, oh, and spun around. I mean, I felt like I was in, you know, 
It's a wonderful life or something. Spun me around. I thought, oh, this is a little awkward. Put me down and my wife looked at me and she said, you're right. This is unreal. But you know, you know what he did? He blessed me. He blessed me. He received me and blessed me. And that's part of the symbolic power that's communicated through meaningful touch, the blessing. Here's the other thing that we see that makes meaningful touch so important. There are tremendous physical benefits to meaningful touch that we're just now through medical science starting to understand. You and I have touch receptors all over our body, places that register touch. Do you know that a third of them are in your hands? One third of your touch receptors are in your hands. That gives new meaning to laying on of hands, doesn't it? Why did God do that? Or why did God tell us to lay hands on? Maybe because He knew how He made us. A third of your touch receptors are in your hands. This is how a blind person can learn to read. Because there's such deep sensitivity in the hands that a blind person can register small bumps and crevices on a paper and understand what it means. Dr. Crager, the professor of nursing at New York University, has made an incredible discovery. She found that when someone lays hands on someone else, both people's hemoglobin levels rise. Both people's hemoglobin level goes up. Higher hemoglobin levels means body tissue receives more oxygen and it creates greater oxygen, expedites healing. Higher hemoglobin levels means that healing in some way is expedited. Isabel wasn't all that far off. Laying there in isolation was shrinking and dying. Having that physical contact with someone where care and love was communicated caused her hemoglobin levels to go up and changed her life. A study by UCLA determined that women need 8 to 10 meaningful touches every day. Some of you say, I already knew that. Let me tell you something you didn't know. They also determined that if some type A men would, would hug their wives several times a day, it would increase their lifespan by two years. By two years. Being blessed through meaningful touch also protects us. It protects us from being drawn into immoral relationships. It's a protection. Look, you can, you can go around. Now, just listen to me for a minute. It doesn't take you long. My wife has taught first grade, third grade, preschool. We've worked with youth and kids much of our life. You can walk into an environment where children are, and it doesn't take you long to discover which one's not being appropriately touched often enough. Because there's something inside the soul that aches. And, and meaningful touch protects you and I from being drawn into inappropriate relationships. We were, we were made for it. Dr. Ross Campbell, who wrote a book, How to Really Love Your Children, said this, In all my reading and experience, I've never known of one sexually disoriented person who had a warm, loving, and affectionate father. 
I've never known one. Sadly, we as a culture seem to be going in the opposite direction. Even in caring homes, statistics tell us that somewhere in elementary years, fathers stop touching their children. They stop. That reminds me of the story that you see in Scripture when Jesus stopped all the important adult ministry because a string of kids had come and he said, I'm not going to make the kids wait, let's make the adults wait. And the Bible says that he took the children, took them in, laid his hands on them, and the Bible says he blessed them. Now, wait a minute. You can, you can make up some hokey thing about touching people from the Old Testament if you want to, but you put Jesus in the middle of it and it changes it. Jesus did it. God did it. God and, and Jesus' flesh did it. Now, this wasn't an object lesson. Now, we may say, oh, oh, it's a, I know what it is. It's a sermon illustration. Jesus is trying to tell them something about the importance of people and that's why he took this child away as an example. No, 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 no. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that he took the children, plural. If it was an object lesson, he would have taken one child and said, if you don't enter the kingdom like this, you can't enter the kingdom at all. The child wasn't an object lesson. The child was the point. He took the children in. He took all of them who came in and said, bless you and 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 bless you. And I see you in the back. Come on. Come on up here. One, one, ver, one gospel says he, he took him up on his lap. And he laid his hands on him and blessed him. Now, now, what Jesus was speaking to this chil- these children were, you're important. God loves you. I love you. You're accepted. You know, I think what's so powerful about that, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, through your own children or grandchildren. To kids, things become real when they touch it. And I, I think that's so powerful that Jesus stopped and did that. I mean, I took my kids to Disney World a few years ago, and, and they were a little younger than they are now, and uh, about four of the mighty Morphin Power Rangers stepped out. And our young one went at him. You know why? He wanted to touch him. You know why he wanted to touch him? Because he wasn't sure if he was real until he could touch him. The blessing may not be getting through as much as you think it is if there's no touch. Because when a child is touched, things become real. I take my kids to the zoo, they want to touch the tiger. No, you can't touch the tiger. But they just can't see from where they are if it's robotic or is it real. Then you go up to the little glass thing and they, what do they do? They put their hand on it. Smear it. I've seen some of you do that. Smear it. Put your nose up there. Look in. Smear it. What are they trying to do? They're trying to reach through there to touch, to see if it was real. Jesus was a master at communicating love and acceptance. So he took the children in his arms, he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now, if Jesus did it, that's got to mean it's important. You and I live in a touch-depraved culture. A study was done on uh, pairs of people. 
At least when two or more people sat together in a cafe or a coffee shop in different cultures of the world, how many times per hour do they touch? In San Juan, Puerto Rico, the average grouping touched 180 times an hour. In Paris, France, it was 110 times per hour. In Gainesville, Florida, it was two times per hour. And it's not just because they're Gator fans. In London, England, it was zero times per hour. You and I live in a touch-depraved culture. We also live in a culture, and I think these two things are related, of inappropriate touching. In the last decade, we have seen dozens and dozens and dozens of reported cases of normally uh, female teachers in schools who prey on and have relationships with young male students. And, and you, see the, you see the reports come out, you see all the media coverage, and, and you look at that and you have to believe in most of those cases, these adult teachers are severely missing something. And what would that be? I think God would call it a blessed life. People who are blessed don't act that way. People who, who have been blessed or are missing parts of the blessing don't act that way. This was God's will from the beginning. God's plan from Genesis to Revelation is that you and I would, would be blessed. We would be people of the blessing and we would bless others. Now I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Micah to come. And I want to share a few, a few closing thoughts with you today on what do we do. How, how, do you, how do you apply what I'm saying to you? Let me give you a couple of real simple. I mean this is a very simple series. Here's the first thing. Start at home and work your way out. Don't start out and work your way in. I'm very leery of any spiritual function that works everywhere but in your house or mine. Start at home. Start with those who know you best. Start with those who are closest to you. Meaningful touch is inappropriate when the other person feels anything other than accepted and loved. Then it's not really meaningful touch. Meaningful touch is affirming and unselfish. It's intended to give and not to take. Let me give you another general principle. In general, focus your communication on blessing people of the same gender. This is a very safe church. You've come to a very safe place. I've come to a very safe place. And we want to stay safe. We want to be a place where God's love is communicated appropriately. And people are blessed. And they're given to and not taken from. Meaningful touch... It's when I intend to give something when I touch you, not when I intend to take something from you when I touch you. Think about it like that. As we prepare for our prayer time, 
I want to share a, a simple occurrence from, from this week with you that will encourage you. And I want to tie these things together. This week we were in a staff meeting and, and Pastor Mark was, was uh, feeling that he needed prayer. And he said, I've, I've been battling with a, I mean, a severe headache for three days. And, and I just feel like God's prompted me to say, you should ask these guys to pray for you. He said, what did you say? You got up at four in the morning. And you know how you do when you get a headache. You just work on it with every wrench you got. You know what I mean? You eat something, sleep, don't sleep, exercise, lay down. Anything you can do if you got a bad one. He said, for three days, terrible headache. And he said, I just feel like God wanted, wanted me to open this up and bring this thing out and have, have prayer. So as we, as we moved in, we laid hands on him and prayed for him. And can I tell you, God connected in that minute in a supernatural way. And he said, you know what? My, my headache's lifting. It's mostly gone. And within seven or eight minutes, he said, it's 100% gone. It's gone. It's been gone. It's still gone. It's still gone. Isn't that incredible? Now, I want you to know something, okay? I just want you to hear this. Because I, I know before, it won't be long, you'll have posters up all over town. And the new formula for getting God to heal you is laying hands on you. That, there's no formula for healing. The, let me give you the formula for healing. God. There is, no, there is none other. <laughs> there's no more. But when we have a need of some kind bringing that thing into the Christian family and and whether you're like Isabel who wasn't healed or like Mark who was the family of Jesus to gather around you and lay hands on you and pray for you and minister God's love and blessing to you God heals through that God blesses through that it's not hey it's not a guarantee but stretch your faith this morning. Bring your need to God. I promise you, He loves you. And He wants nothing more than to celebrate you in the middle of the family of God. And His will for your life is to be blessed. I guarantee it. Would you stand with me this morning?